Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode on Muslims of the Melting Pot. Today we have yet another special guest. Louise Kensington is a Swedish funeral home director, but the interesting part about her story is that she is a former Islamophobe who converted to Islam and is now a fierce defender of Palestinian rights. Today we are going to talk to Louise about how exactly that happened. Total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Because it's the That's only it. religion that acts like the mafia. They're not immigrants. They're, they're invaders. They're not immigrants. This clash of civilizations. And if they're not going to learn to assimilate, I don't want them in this country. But hold up, that's not really who we are. Perhaps the American melting pot model is not an accurate depiction of the true Muslim American experience. And perhaps the goal is not to mix. But if it isn't, then what really is? To assimilate or not to assimilate? That's the question. I'm your host, Sarah Salimi, and you are watching Muslims of the Melting Pot. Thank you again, Louise, for being my guest today. I'm really honored to have you on the podcast, and I'm really excited to hear your experience, which has been a really unique one and one that really drew my attention. Um, something that I have seen happen quite frequently, especially with the ongoing events in Palestine. And I think your story in particular is really, really inspiring to me. And one thing that caught my attention is when I first became introduced to your page, you identified yourself as a former Islamophobe, yes. so someone who previously was Islamophobic. Yeah. So I really want to delve into how how did that experience kind of evolve from that kind of a view about Muslims to now today you are a Muslim and welcome to the faith. How did that story unfold for you? I think that like overall, I was a very hateful person overall back then. I was a Trump supporter. Uh, I was a far right wing personality. I had a blog which was very negative towards immigration my page grew kind of big i have 46,000 followers on facebook and then my page was shut down and i started questioning why like why was it shut down and they started talking about it being racist and bigotry and very much right. islamic hate etc etc so um i started questioning myself and one of the most um enlightening moments in my in my life was when we were at the protest in Stockholm. So there was a protest uh, pro and against um, the Afghani refugees that came to Sweden. So there was one protest against and one protest for and that, that was simultaneously going on at the same time. And uh, we were chanting such awful bad things. I don't even want to recite it because it's it's too hard to even say it now but and the oldest thing they responded with was hearts they did this so the, all, all so i got back was love right and uh that kind of broke me i just realized i was on the wrong side so i left politics behind and started reading and started educating myself and i realized how wrong i was so i ended up in a long depression um which led me to have to get prescriptive medication with, with Prozac just, just to survive the day because I couldn't even get out of bed. I wasn't working. I wasn't doing anything in life. I was just depressed all the time. Right. And uh, so I started looking into what I was actually so hateful against, you know, what, what I have been so criticizing for these people. They're people, right? And right. 
most of all pictures of children wearing hijab, but they look so innocent. They, they don't look like terrorists. They don't look like any form of ra radical Islamists, like I was taught everyone to be who was a Muslim. Right. And uh, so I started educating myself and I started reading the Quran a, a, a bit. And I was like, this is, this is nothing of the interpretations that people are, are sending me online. Everything that I've been right. sharing, it's all wrong, you know? It's, it's misinterpretation yeah. by purpose from people who wants to black, blackmail Islam. And I just realized Absolutely. that I'm like, well, this, this is politics. This has nothing to do with God. And I was a Christian, so I've always had faith. I always believed in God. So right. that there was never, never a doubt for me that, that there's, there, there's a Lord and there's a God. Mm -hmm. But I guess I was just so caught up in who's the, who's, who, who is the right God, Yeah. you know, until I realized that God is God. Right. And you say when you started reading the Quran, what was it about the faith that brought you to it as opposed to you said you were uh, raised and your faith was Christianity. What attracted you to the religion? The love, the self-care, that, that it's all about taking care of your body, taking care of animals, taking care of nature, taking care of your family. There's nothing about oppressing women. There's actually literally everything that I was taught was wrong. And yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm having chills right now. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was just so much. It, it was like I mean, it's quite the story. Yeah, it's quite the story because I mean, I'm from what I've heard and the research I've done, Islamophobia in Europe and specific parts of Europe is very much well and alive everywhere. I would say there are amounts, but and I've seen a lot of it in Europe and I'm not too aware of the way that um, how it is in Sweden. What I do know is, I mean, there have been Quran burnings there. Yes. So there are sentiments of, you know, hate. And a lot of times the society we live in and the general sentiments that are just spewed in that society do, whether we like it or not, influence what we think about a certain group of people. And from what I'm getting from what you're saying, you kind of started doubting that and saying, okay, I have to go do my own research. Yeah, because there was so much evil. I've always been a, been a person who wanted to help others. Even when I was a racist, I still wanted to help people. I love helping animals. I've loved... I was somewhere in deep inside, I always cared, but I was right. taught to care about only a few people. So it was right. like, protect your Swedish people away from the horrific Islamic state that will take over your country. That's what I was taught, basically. I'm wondering if Palestine had anything to do with it. Was it um, some of the recent events or had you already converted and everything before the recent events that started unfolding in Palestine? I think it was the last nail in the coffin, to be honest. Uh, right. I was on my way uh, in that direction. And I had been an activist against the death penalty for many years and for human rights. I also engaged a lot in... Um, Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movements and right. to, to race up against police brutality and, and racism, which, which was also a big step for me since, right. si since I did not, normally back in the old days, I would have laughed at them. But yeah. I started realizing You'd how- You'd be on the other side of course, protesting against Of course, them. I would be yeah. with the conservatives standing there with, 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 with their chance. But honestly, I think Palestine was the nail in the coffin. What was it about Palestine, would you say, that really made your decision firm? The resilience. 
and the fact that they're going undergoing the worst type of genocide in modern days, uh, except the Holocaust, of course. But I wouldn't say that's modern days anymore. And they're still their faith is keeping them alive. And they're still laughing. They're still playing. The children are still playing on the streets. They're still singing. They're dancing. They're so hopeful. And I wanted to have that hope as well. I wanted to be a part of that, not to be a part of something, but to feel that joy. I think that uh, speaks to a lot of people who have also heard your story, because coming from a Muslim perspective, a lot of times we take it for granted. And because we are within the community, it comes kind of comes as natural for us. But every time we see someone joining the faith um, and drawing inspiration from events around the world, I think it's a reminder to us as well. You say yourself, you battled with depression. A lot of people struggle with that. And um, it's something where in that moment, you don't feel you can do anything to resolve it. But sometimes all it takes is finding a way of life that offers you the mental health support that you need. And it's not always that a religion fixes everything. But like you say, when you were reading the words, the the scripture, the Quran, it really spoke to you in a personal way. And I want to delve a little bit deeper into that. What were some of the things that you read that spoke or resonated with you most? Mostly that that we are always protected by God, that whatever we do in life, God will always forgive and protect us. I have a bad history. I, I was a person that I did not like uh, right. and that I never want to go back to. But the fact that Allah forgives me and that all of my sins are gone, it gives me so much peace within me and it actually helped me battle my depression because I learned to forgive myself. And I, I, I didn't even think that I was capable of forgiving myself. I, I had no idea because I was judging right. myself constantly. I've never been one of those people who self-harm physically, but I kind of self-harmed myself mentally. There are so many people judging others. It, even if it's meant to be a meme, some memes are not funny. I mean, making right. fun of someone because they're overweight or because they have a certain way of looks or because they have show a certain way of lifestyle. It is not funny. It is judge. It's, right. it's judgmental. And I want to live in a society and a world in a lifestyle that doesn't judge others. And there, that's also something with Islam that caught me completely. And I just felt like we don't judge here. And those who judge... They need, they need a lot. They need to, to read the Quran again. <laughs> they need. They Absolutely. Need. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that even we, we say is uh, a lot of times we have to make a distinction that it's not always Muslims and what they do that represents the faith. No. And that's something that I think you would probably know firsthand because as someone who has been on the other side, a lot of times the things that drive people to exhibit Islamophobic sentiments or hate is they see Muslims doing things or they associate certain things with Islam and say, this is all the religion is about. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we look into literally any religion, whether it's Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, anything, if you make that 
people who follow that religion, the metric for what that religion stands for, no one's going to believe in anything. Exactly. Everyone's just going to hate each other. Right. And I think um, your story speaks really well to that because there will always be people in every faith that will misrepresent that faith in different ways. But one thing you did that really stands out is you went to explore it yourself. So my next question is kind of, do you think that whether it's in Europe or Sweden or anywhere else, people who do have this hate towards Muslims and Islam, do you think if they took the route you took and went and did research and really took a step back and looked at it from an objective lens, do you think that would help the situation and make people much more accepting of different religions and possibly, you know, make Islamophobia less of a problem? Or do you think, you know, for you, it was an exception where you actually came to understand the faith for what it truly is? Well, I'm definitely no exception. I'm, I'm a normal human being as anyone else. And I, I have a brain that functions the way everybody, hum every human brains function, which, right. which is that we, we are getting very affected by the input that we get around us. This is natural. This is normal. If I grew up in a society that tells me uh, that eating with a spoon is super dangerous. I'm, I'm going to believe that that spoon is my worst enemy until the day I die. It is all right. about indoctrination. It's about what we are taught when we are young. So I think that a very important thing is to look into how the society is reflecting upon different religions and shows it to young people. Because right. the younger you are when you're being exposed to certain information, the harder it will be for you to change your mind when you're an adult. It's, it is psychology. It's normal. But I think that everybody with the right tools, and I believe that anyone could change their opinion with the right knowledge. I, education is key. Definitely. Um, I'm not saying that <clears throat> everyone should become Muslim now because I have chosen yeah. this path. I'm just saying that we need to educate each other and we need to educate a broken society. And the problem is that this society isn't actually really broken. It's built this way. It is built and formed this way so that politicians could gain power over each other. That's how it is. And it will always be this way. But we as regular human beings who are not on, in powerful positions, we have to be uh, the source of education when the society is failing us. Absolutely. And would you say uh, with the issue, I know you recently have really upped your advocacy with Palestine. Um, would you say that the general sentiments within the Swedish community have changed on this issue in the recent months? Or, you know, how was it before and how is it now? I don't think that Swedish people was so aware of the level of, of horror that, that the Palestinians are enduring. Uh, I've always been pro-Palestine. Here's the thing, right. even back when I was pro-Trump and had my days of being a person that I don't want to go back to ever again, uh, I still was pro-Palestine because right. I've always been a person of principles. But for me, it was more like, oh, it's a conflict. It's a long conflict. But yes, I stand with Palestine. I never really understood the level of it. I never really understood yeah how huge it was and how many people that actually becomes martyrs. I never really understood right. it. So when, when a lot of things unfold through social media, mostly not, not Western media, because Western media isn't covering very much, but most of all through social media, when a modern day Nakba 
starts, what happened now in in the modern day Nakba, as I call it, I don't want to use the term 7th of October because I'm so tired of hearing that number because this is exactly. far beyond that. We are far beyond that. This this started above six, 70, 76 years ago. It is a long Absolutely. time of, of genocide. Mm-hmm. But I would like to call it the modern day Nakba so we can differ right. from what time frame that we're talking about. And mm-hmm. when this unfolded, living in a society where social media is basically telling us everything, we have these exactly. heroes, Motas, Bissen, all of the Plestia, all of these people who are basically putting their lives at risk for us to see the truth. Uh, mm-hmm. Back during World War II, there was no social media. You could never share photos like we do now. We, we, we see the world um, on a different scale. Absolutely. And this is really, this is what has been different, I think, for a lot of people is before, um, like you said, it was really hard, even though public sentiment was always affected by what was going on. But now, one of the things that has drawn people to the Palestinians and their fight for freedom has been social media. Yeah. So like you said, these firsthand accounts that are really showing what's going on. And this time around, what I've seen, at least in American society, uh, or in North America is people are really opening up their eyes to what's really happening because now they see it in front of their faces. So they see, for example, CNN or Fox News reporting on an issue, and then they see these videos coming straight out of Gaza showing the devastations that are happening, mm-hmm. the horrific It's images. the same in Sweden. I mean, people were yeah. probably like me. They were like, it's complicated. That That's kind of the vibe that I'm getting, that most people right. thought it was complicated. They're stuck in the complicated sentence. But right. now when pe- things are being shown directly on people's telephones, they're literally seeing these deceased children in front of their eyes. They're seeing the bodies of the victims. And right. everything is being presented into their personal phones, not only on a television screen or newspaper, but in their phones. So yeah. that that's also a way to absorb information because it becomes very, very personal, becomes very close to you. And I'll definitely say that the pro-Palestinian movement in Sweden has risen enormously. I have attended several protests and these people are amazing. We are thousands. Just to uh, switch gears a little bit, um, how have your family and your friends kind of received you embracing Islam? Has it been kind of a really supportive experience or do you feel has been, you know, has it come, what kind of ups and downs has it come with? Well, um, I don't have any contact. Uh, My dad isn't alive, so... But my mom is, Sorry. and I don't have any contact with her at all. So I don't know right. what, what she thinks. She probably thinks that I'm, she, she probably has her mind about me. I don't actually care because. Right. I, actually, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I, I'm doing my thing. This is my journey. Uh, right. But also my friends, I still have some of my closer friends that has accepted me for who I am. Then I have those friends who was like, oh, look, she jumped on a trend. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. Oh, all right. So there's a right. lot. That's a problem that I've seen that a lot of newly reverted people are being called trendsetters. And they're basically being Absolutely. called out as fake. And they're being called out as that and that and that. And that is actually very sad and heartbreaking because once again, we're sad. judging people. There, we got it once again. That's judgmental way of behavior 100%. and yeah. uh, I'm not judging anyone if they want to judge me they're free to judge me but I'm gonna give that I'm gonna let that to a lot 
I think, like you said, no matter what happens, whether it's within the Muslim community or, you know, the revert community, there's always going to be people who are going to throw questions and throw shade on someone's decisions yes. and label yes. it as a number of different things, especially yes. for people who suddenly grow on social media and attain a huge following. And that comes with obviously a certain level of influence. Um, that usually is something people start targeting. They say, okay, what if this person just did it for the views? Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunately a byproduct of as much as we say social media has all of these positives, it does come with certain negatives where people are always waiting to, you know, attack others for what they're doing. How have you kind of dealt with the negativity that has come your way in that sense? I just ignored it. <laughs> I just, I just good, literally good ignored yeah. it. I'm getting so much love as well. So I've been focusing on the love part and the ones that choose to hate, I'm like, it's up to them. Right. I, I just feel sorry for them. Like, honestly, I feel sorry for somebody that doesn't have anything else to do on their daily time to go on to somebody's profile just to be negative that's right. that's the person i used to be you know that's the person that i left behind yeah. and that's that's the person that i never want to go back to being so i want my i want my social media platform on instagram to be a safe space for everyone and i really mean everyone even the haters and to kind of wrap this conversation up your story is really unique in the sense that you completely changed from someone who you now say you've put behind and you've started a new life almost been reborn in certain ways mm -hmm. if you could go back to the person you were uh, before all of this before you embarked on this journey toward islam you're dealing with all these different struggles you are in a completely different mindset if you were to go back to that day today as who you are right now what would be the message you would tell louise at that time uh, I would tell that, Louise, do you want to be happy or do you want to be angry all the time? Right. That's what I would ask her. Do you want to be mm. on the good side or on the bad side? And then that Louise was probably going to say, on the good side, of course. That's why I'm warning everybody about Islam. And I would right. say, are you sure they're, they're the bad side? I, I would start questioning her. What do you know about Islam? I would ask her, what do you actually know? Do you know what the media have told you? Or do you know, actually know something, something practical right. about Islam? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I had these horror images that wasn't even true. It, 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 it's so much, we got to change the narratives because we, we are so wrongly informed. The society is so wrongly informed. And that's why I'm going to make it my life challenge to actually educate people, not only about Islam, but about racism, about bigotry, about any form of hate and how dangerous it is. That's I work beautiful. as a funeral director. And life is very short. So right. for me, it's, it's very important to, I, I work with people in grief on a daily basis. So I know that right. life is very short and we can't spend on our time here on earth using it for things that we will later regret when we die. 100%. Well, that's that's a beautiful ending. Thank you, Louise, so much for your time. I really appreciate your story. Very inspiring. And I pray that everything you're doing now and in the future is blessed with beauty and success. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me.